0: Well, here we go then. Everyone, grab a beer, grab a cup of tea, grab whatever you're drinking tonight. Sit back and relax. It's the TNC Podcast Live and we're reflecting on yet another defeat for Norwich City. It's not just me and Chris tonight. We're delighted to be able to be joined by a friend of the TNC show and an all-round good guy. Mr. Stuart Hodge. Hodge, how are you? How's it going, lads?
1: Um, I'm actually quite happy. If we'd done this like during yesterday, then I don't think you would get any sense. But um, yeah, I know, good to be back. I've missed being on here with you guys. It seems like ages ago that we had our first chat, and it is genuinely like three, four years or something now, isn't it? You guys have been going that long, growing as a platform.
2: (laughs) Hodge, Hodge, it's great to see that you've turned up um, on time today, unlike the uh, first one. for day, that. Were, it was it was two hours late, wasn't it, Hodgie? Timekeeping not always a strong point. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for for the
1: first one it was. Um And I've got to like I've got to finish quite tight tonight because um, I'm going on another wee podcast, the Revere End Podcast, after this. So I've got the cheek to turn up late and then bugger
0: off early potentially. So yeah, no, fun, 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 fun. It's great to see you, mate. The first comment of, of the evening is from Ellis Gobi, and He says, "I miss this guy's voice." Don't we all? Don't we all? No, it's great to have you. Thank you, Ellis. It's just a shame that we're uh, we're going to be talking about uh, again slightly um, unfavorable uh, circumstances. Um, Chris, let's come to you first, mate. Um, everyone's saying Craig Doris. I was going to say, Jack. We can't. <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs>
2: Maybe not now, but before you go, and this is this is worth making people wait for the end we need to get the graham dorans classic because it was and and also the ipswich goal recreation that he did on our podcast last time as well so for everyone commenting graham dorans we will definitely make sure hodgie does that that was actually part of the terms conditions of him coming on the podcast tonight he signed a contract, so don't worry. We'll look after that request for you, no problem whatsoever.
1: Contractually obliged, yeah. Um, no, happy to deliver. It's quite, it's quite nice um, that people still sort of say nice things and stuff. I know a split opinion with some people, but like for the most part, people have been really kind. But that's Canary fans for you, isn't it?
0: No, definitely, mate. Um, Chris, let, let's uh, you know, let's talk about yesterday and let's get it out of the way. I'm sure that everyone in the comment section will be, uh, you know, venting their anger, but. Yesterday, was that the most humiliating match post-lockdown yet?
2: Uh, Well, God, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one that thinks this. It's not, unfortunately, it's not the only embarrassment, Um, you know, because I think every single game has been an embarrassment in numerous different ways, actually. And I know that sounds quite harsh already, but I personally think it's fair. Um, The the lineups we've put out, the tactics that we've approached games with, the individual errors and mistakes and um, the in-game management. There's been so many different things that, that have caused many embarrassing um, uh, defeats since the restart. And and you know what, Jack, uh, you know, that didn't even sum up the season. For me, yesterday was seriously damaging. And I'm not, and I genuinely don't think I'm being extreme by saying this. I think now this will be seriously affecting the players' psychological and um, mental Empowerment going into next season. I, I seriously think that, that that stung. I think the other defeats it, we kind of held up held up our hands a little bit. You think Watford away, for example, the quality sh- shoe there. I think for me anyway. Um, but but yesterday to be to to, to have that happen to you. I and mean, look, Burnley are you know a, a solid Premier League football club. You know they know how to play the game. They know how how you know just like Holty was saying, they know how to manage games um they're 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 rough they're rugged they're strict they're organized um and as Daniel Farker said, we fell into their trap um which is which is abysmal really
1: they are all the things we are not. That like they, They've they come back down, and they had a similar thing where they came up, went back down, and what we've got to hope is that we learn some of the lessons the way Burnley did, and that we can come back up stronger for, for having been here. That said, Burnley's first stint in the Premier League wasn't quite as humiliating as it's got for Norwich City. I actually take a slightly different view to yourself, mate, on the basis that I think... I mean, that's second, but, but Dermic's challenge, right? The first one by be Emi I'm like, okay, right, that's just moral discipline from Emmy. Clearly, he's still got that temper tantrum in him. Um, and then Dermic does that second challenge, and then they get the goal, and I'm just like, in my head, I'm just going, it's like, it's got beyond the point where I'm getting angry about it, and it's just got to the point where you laugh manically, like, to try and maintain some semblance of sanity. That said, I think the way that Norwich City applied themselves in the second half Shows that there's still something about this group of players, and um, or at least the bulk of them. Obviously, not everyone's gonna gonna stay. I don't think, um, and I think that's quite right, given the way things have transpired this season. But I, I think I think it's stormy waters in, in so many ways. Just the way that Norwich City navigated this period, um, especially after after the the way it's gone. Post-Project Restart But I just think so much hinged on See those first two home games If we'd got four points from those first two home games We'd have been in with a chance of staying in this division But Another side of that I'm all aboard the let's go back to the championship And have a banter boat Because the Premier League,
0: two glass ceilings I'm done with it man, it's fine Cool, move on, let's go No leads either do you think it's got to a, a point, though, in this season? You, you say there you were pleased with the application in the second half. We, we still conceded a goal in that second half. Do you think it's got to a point where expectations are now so low we are literally looking for anything to praise?
1: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you've got You're clutching at the positives a wee bit. I think there is a bit of that involved. But I think just in terms of, because Chris was talking about the psychological element, I think that's where I look at it and I go right, okay, I, I mean, there's still people there that are responding in the right way to the challenges set to them, but the truth of the matter is, Norwich City just don't have the quality to compete in this division. On any given day, football's football, right? We can go out and we can beat Man City's high press and pass around it, but what's become readily apparent is that Norwich City don't have the physical capabilities to compete in this league. We are by far mm-hmm. the worst team physically, and it's not through a lack of effort, it's just we. other teams are bigger, they're quicker, and they're stronger, and that has been the thing that has let us down this season. Also, by the way, it kind of sort of gives a retrospective to last season Improves where we elevated ourselves above championship football and won a title with mm-hmm. a footballing artistry that now looks like something out of Vivaldi or, I mean, opera, operatic, you know, such was the beauty of it in hindsight, because we, we really elevated beyond just the physical levels of it. And then we've tried to do the exact same thing in this division. Whereas then you look at Sheffield United, for example, mm-hmm. and they, I mean, they've been poor since the restart, but they've come up. Um, what they did prior to that was they basically played the same way, but it, it's an easier to it's easier to transfer that style of football. So, for example, if you look at Stuart Weber's Huddersfield team that came up, he obviously didn't stay with them. Jump, shit, a better, better gig, obviously. Um, <laughs> he... When David Wagner went up, he was a more defensive minded manager. So that's what allowed Huddersfield to kind of be gritty and compete in games and do that kind of thing. For Daniel Farker to bring that group of players and um, achieve, as he put it, I love the way he phrases things in English sometimes, the sporting miracle of yeah. get, keeping us in the division. Um it's just
0: not nah, possible. it. Stuart.
2: Stuart, I'm I'm sorry, mate, but I need to I need to go against you there, mate. I knew this was gonna be fun. I'm ah, fed good up with to- it. I'm fed up with it, mate. You know, these these riddles and these these post match speeches, I think it's really annoying fans now. I think we need straight talking, and I'll and I'll contradict myself immediately straight away, and I'm completely okay with that. It was the first time this season that post match Daniel Farker spoke the honest truth by saying that Emi Gwendir and Josip Dermich was stupid, naive. And inexperienced, despite the fact that Josip Dermich is a very experienced player, but that's by the by. So I actually completely disagree with this whole I love the way that he talks thing. I don't. I'm fed up of it. I really am. And would I say that to his face? No, I absolutely wouldn't because I'm petrified of him. But the, (laughs) the point stands, Stuart, that by saying things over and over again, like this will be a miracle and we're not good enough and we've not got the quality. As a player, and you're reading that in the press and you're reading that in the media, if that keeps going round over and over again, and on top of that, Stuart, you're losing football matches over and over and over and over again. That's why, and I've said this, I said this since the restart. The, this this whole period for Norwich, it was so crucial. Not, forget staying upright. It was so crucial that we put a valiant effort into survival and showed the fans what we could do to prove a point. Because we are going to see some serious psychological damage because everyone's been saying how bad we are, which is true. But saying things like it's a miracle and all this, I think that the, the shooty, the players that have earned the right to play in the Premier League, they're going to be damaged by that. And and I think now going into the championship, Stuart, we are going to face a culture crisis. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm genuinely serious about that. I don't know. I tweeted this the other day. If Stuart Webber... Is going to stick with Daniel Farker, which I think he should, by the way, to just clear that out before we get loads of stick for that. He's going to need to gut the squad. Now, that's going to take a lot of work. And if you don't gut the squad, you're going to have a culture crisis because how are those players going to be motivated when you were slagging them off, saying that they weren't good enough, it's a miracle, we've not got the quality, we're inexperienced, we're stupid, we're naive. For me, the messaging in the restart has been completely wrong, completely Mm. wrong. I do it i'd rather they said to it we're not good enough it's hardly likely we're going to go down so we're just going to give it a good go right it's just, this whole miracle thing is just a nonsense for
1: yeah, me. yeah 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 I, th- I mean i think it's uh, i speak a couple other languages myself so i understand that something sometimes when you you, you go to see something in a different language it comes across a different way yeah and right. i think there's a bit of that also he's pronounced pronunciation of certain word situation and duel um like are, are used to spring immediately to mind. Um I, I think it's quite challenging sometimes to get that message across. I think, yeah, I think your bit about the, the defeatist mindset that, that, that has kind of crept in is potentially dangerous, but I'm prepared to give it the benefit of the doubt. By the way, um, just as a wee point, the last time I was on this podcast, this is my third appearance, my second one, was just after we'd been beaten by Leeds in the season that we won the title at home. Ooh and that was was the turning point mate like i i uh, appearing on tnc was the catalyst (laughs) for change so (laughs) we're going to win we're going to win that last game like that's what's going to happen now and we're going to win the title again i I mean we this is this is the point this is the point where the, the the wheel changes
0: Let's get on to um, something maybe slightly more positive. And thanks to everyone who's, who's tuning in and commenting. We'll try and get to a lot of the comments throughout the show. Um, Edward Ivans and, and a few other people have said, Zimbo saved us lots of times yesterday. Chris, I saw you tweet about Christoph Zimbo. And of course, returns from injury and gets thrown in when we're down to nine men uh, and, and one nil down. It, it was hardly a, a good welcome back for him, but he looked good. I guess there's two sides of the argument here, isn't there? We've got a Christoph Zimmerman who we know on his days is a fantastic defender, very intelligent and a good leader. I've seen a lot of people going, well, Christoph Zimmerman is also part of a defence that's conceded well over 180 goals in Daniel Farker's reign. So where do we stand with Christoph? Is he good enough to to, to hopefully be a, a key member of that defence next season or does it need gutting out, like you say?
2: Honestly, Jack, um, it was a ray of sunshine on a horrendous day. Um, and <laughs> seeing Christoph back, seeing, by the way, a Christoph Zimmerman that's not ready to play 45 minutes and all this, sure. mate, he looked, he looked our best defender all season long. Better than Ben Godfrey, better than Tim Close, better than Grant Hanley. And you know what I love about Zimmerman? Not, not just his leadership, but the way that he wins the ball back. I saw Christoph Zimmerman lose the ball. Shouldn't have happened. I know that. But just the way that he took on that sliding challenge in the box is a big risk. But it was almost just like he hadn't actually lost any game time. I was so impressed with Christoph Zimmerman And we badly lacked his leadership. And this isn't just my opinion. Read Tim Krull's, um piece in, on the North City website today. He misses Christoph Zimmerman's leadership. And I think when you've got a player like Tim Krul complimenting a player like Christoph Zimmerman, saying we've missed his leadership, that says an awful lot about what we've lacked this season. It really does. And for me, I'm I'm unbelievably excited to, to see Christoph Zimmerman back in the fold. And um, I, I was desperately, desperately sad that, that he was injured. I, I really was. I think it was a, a huge loss for us. I do not understand the hatred for Christoph Zimmerman. There's a few people that are just like, Oh, he's overhyped. He's inexperienced. He's, an, he's barely a footballer. He's not good enough for the Premier League. For me, the guy's got so much to prove and he's so grateful and he loves Norwich so much. That's why we need more players like that. And, Jack, we've said time and time again, I'm sure, Hodgie, you'll agree with this, I would rather we had players of a lesser quality that actually work, fight for the team, they're organised. Listen to Christoph Stumminister. He was the only voice I could hear on that Norwich pitch, the only one commanding the defence as soon as he was on, took responsibility, took accountability, wasn't taking any shit from anyone. And that's what we've lacked this season, massively. He's been the culture
1: setter. So if you look at when Daniel Farker came in, right, he was his captain for Borussia Dortmund's second team, right? So he brought Christoph Zimmermann in and as part of the so many Germans. um, Zimmermann was the first one to come in, and that was Daniel Farker's culture setter. So if you, you kind of move on from, say, the era where maybe Russell Martin, you could argue, would be one of the men, one of the chief figureheads setting the culture, that baton kind of got past you know the likes of the Johnny Housens and Martins went out of the team, and Zimmerman came in, and it was difficult. It was very, very James Madison dependent for a long time, and that first season for for any real joy. But there were triple sessions happening in the background. Fitness levels were getting upped, and Zimmerman was like that. That was the chief lieutenant there for mm-hmm. for Daniel Farka. And I think you saw his value when Ben Godfrey had. And by the way, that's an unfortunate own goal. Russell Martin nailed it on Sky after it. Ben Godfrey, I think, I don't think he is necessarily Norwich City's most important defender, but I think in terms of raw attributes and I think in terms of overall sellability, if I'm if I'm looking for a player that I could plug into a Champions League game, I'm looking at in the entire Norwich City squad. The one that has the most complete, rounded set of attributes is Ben Godfrey. And well, I'm I think he's on- laid down a bit by zonal marking and things, people not getting blocks on, so it looks like he's not winning headers at corners, stuff like that. Sorry, you going to-
0: on your question. Just sticking on Ben Godfrey, I agree. I think he's got that, that, that physicality, he's got pace, he's good in the tackle. We've been discussing it a lot on the podcast in recent weeks and a lot of the commenters are as well. I st- I'm still not convinced that Ben Godfrey's a centre-back. I think he's a, a more mm. advanced player. I, he's, he, that's,
1: that's testament to how good a player he is. I remember him playing under Alex Neil the season that I was the commentator. He came on it right back in a cup game and scored a 25-yard yeah. screamer, and I loved it. Um, and, like, yeah, I think he could play defensive midfield, but I'm looking at that position in the team and I'm thinking, right, so if you've got everyone fit, do you really want to play Ben Godfrey there or do you think that his pace at centre-back, which if you're playing a high line, as Norwich City often do, You need someone pacier than Christoph Zimmerman or Tim Closer. Grant Hanley's quite quick. But if you're going to be playing one of the other two, then you need Ben Godfrey or Grant Hanley beside them because you need to have that pace if you're going to play a higher line. If you're going to play the defensive midfield position, I don't know unless you actually say to Ben Godfrey, look, mate, you've got the license here to play that kind of hybrid between a six and an eight. Maybe you could develop his game into something like that. Some people do see him as a central midfielder, and I can kind of see the argument for that. But I think with the right guidance, there's a world-class potential centre-back there.
2: Hodgie, totally with you, mate. And this isn't just Ben Godfrey in isolation, but one of the things I'm seriously worried about because of what's happened since the restart is clubs wanting to buy these players because what we've seen is some serious fragility, some serious lack of psychological um, strength um, an obvious lack of leadership, an obvious lack of direction. Um, and, and and actually, I've not even seen those individual performances where I've gone, Oh, they're clearly playing for a move. And we had Grant Hall hinting at that when he came on the other week. Stuart, he said, Oh, no, 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 players definitely don't do that, ha ha ha, because they do <laughs> and I've not. Being a player that I've seen kind of roll their sleeves up and go, Right, come on, then I'm going to show that I'm good enough for this. And, and the amount of people yesterday that said, you know, 50 million pounds, and, and I know that that was. That, that figure is just a Sun Sky Sports nonsense anyway. But still, it does really worry me. And Jack, something that I really want to combat um, is, and it's 7.58, it's quite a long time back if you scroll through, Paul Eaton, bit of an unnecessary nasty comment, but I'd really like to address it if that's okay. He says, perhaps you'd like to discuss our pathetic useless owner. Oh yeah, you won't, there's no freebies for you. Let's be super clear here. Jack and I, we get invited to a couple of dinners a year. One, because we sponsor a player, currently Lucas Rupp. No comment.
1: <laughs> I was going to say you happy the with that.
2: Second, the second is that we are classed as media and the club want to integrate the media within the club so we know what's going on. Now, that's not, we, we, we're not in with Delia. Like, it, it's not a thing. And I cannot express enough how we've always said if this club is to progress, to stay in the Premier League and mount a serious kind of, I mean, a serious movement, like a mid-table to, to even higher than that, we're going to need bigger investment. We're not idiots. We know that Delia can't do that in her pocket. So I just want to be super clear. Please stop saying that because it's completely incorrect. Ask
1: yourself as well, right? And this is what I would put to yourself, Paul, if you're still watching the, the podcast, is would you rather have an owner, right, that's got very deep pockets but doesn't really care about what the football club, about what the community, about what the county, about what the city is about, Or would you rather have an owner that understands all of that, that will never, ever jeopardise the future of this club because Martin Samuel in the Daily Mail thinks it's a good idea to gamble on on staying in a league with two separate glass ceilings? Absolute nonsense, right? And yeah, some clubs, the gamble might pay off or it might pay off temporarily, right? But what, what are you actually hoping to achieve? What are you actually hoping to achieve? Are you hoping to achieve stability in a league? I mean, Burnley had one very brief campaign in Europe. Other than that, it's just staying in the middle of a division, right, and getting some big, big games against bigger teams. Uh, and the thing is, the ownership at this club, right, for all of the criticism that's had, and of course mistakes have been made in the past, but Norwich City, by appointing a sporting director and especially one so transparently operating in a role which is the epitome of the way... That a modern football club should be structured. All of this sort of, oh, old Norwich and and they're behind the times and county that's sort of stuck in the past. It's absolute nonsense. By appointing Stuart Weber and Daniel Marka Farka, sorry, and that management structure. Norwich. I
2: wish he was Marka. I wish he was Marka, mate. I wish
1: he was. Aye, he's <laughs> you know. in his day. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but by appointing that structure, Norwich City have actually been very forward-thinking. And you know what? Even though results are rubbish at the moment, we were right to be prudent this year. We were right not to gamble. And I think we're going back down to the Championship with far more chance of establishing ourselves as the top 26 club that
2: we want to be. Hodgie, you're, you're bang on the money as always, which is exactly why we wanted you on, because you speak complete sense. But another thing that I would add on to that is the reason why that... The, 80 to 90 percent of Norwich fans are angry, frustrated, pissed off with what's happened is because of the restart. Yeah, it's been because of the team selected, the team performances, the individual mistakes. That's not Stuart Weber. That's mm. not Stuart Weber, and it's not Delia and my and by the way, Michael Wynne Jones is in this as well. Yeah, so let's so let's not start piling on Delia, yeah, because it's actually a, a joint share. So I, I agree with the frustration towards that, I get it, but. We've got to make this clear. Someone's got to want to buy Norwich City. It's got to be the right person, and as well, Delia doesn't pick the team. I can't. I'm, I'm bored of actually talking about it. I really
0: am. So, yeah, Hodge, I, think, you need some
2: money there.
0: I think Hodge's bang on there. In, in a sense, it's managing expectation, right? If, if we if we want to, and in the, the Premier League is is ridiculous now. The quality that's about is oh. is remarkable, and, and we're never going to compete at a, at a really consistent level with the squad and the and the finances we've got, and it's like, well, as Hodgie said there, do you want to, you know, maybe do a, a Burnley and finish mid-table every season, or do you want to do a Norwich where, yeah, you yo-yo, and yes, I've been critical, probably more critical than most in recent weeks, but I wouldn't swap this for the world at the moment. It's great fun. I love this football club with all my heart. The only thing that's frustrated me in recent weeks is, as as you've mentioned there, Chris and 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 Hodgie. I don't think I've seen necessarily the application. I don't think I've seen the quality that we know some of these players um, have. And and I agree, I think some of Farka's tactical awareness has maybe not been there in this. In
1: really yes. so. What he's done is, it kind of reminded me, do you remember that game at Newcastle? And after that, Alex Neal mm. kind of bottled it a bit. Um, I think something similar has happened with Daniel Farka, except it's kind of the opposite. Everyone said that he always only had one way of playing. He's tried every system He's felt could work, and it's all just kind of blown up in his face. So he's kind of been damned if he did, damned if he don't. A bit, but the, the key thing is Daniel Farca is under pressure to deliver at the start of next season. Norwich side need, need to come out of the traps. We can't have a slow start. We need to be starting strong. Otherwise, I mean the the, the hunger and the appetite for a for a change. Uh, in terms of the head coach, will be tough. Just on the Stuart Weber thing, Stuart Weber said himself, the recruitment's not been good enough. Even though he's not dug deep into his pockets, the recruitment, even at the level that we've been recruiting at, has not been good enough. And I think he accepts that. But Norwich City, look how proactive they've been. We've already got five or six players just sitting ready to go, right? And yeah. and that's it. Like, the squad is already building up and getting ready for a, a championship season that's ahead. The challenge for Norwich City is actually going to be getting rid of some of the Moritz lightners of the world that just aren't going to play. And that's the thing. So getting rid so that you've not got too many of these mm. sort of people who aren't getting a game floating around the club, too many people farmed out on loan. We want to try and get rid of some of these bodies. And that's going to be the challenge. The other frustrating thing for me, just looking at it as a holistic thing, coming into this season, I was sure that Norwich City were going to have players that would add value to their price tag. And I think, I mean, you can make an argument, maybe five million or so, Max Darren's five million or so, Jamal Lewis. Ben Godfrey's probably added money. Todd Cantwell's added serious money to his price tag. But some have gone backwards. Mm-hmm. Amy Buendia, everyone trots out that chance he's created stat, mm-hmm. but they don't look at the amount of goals that have been directly from his mistakes. Eight, I think it is, right? Well, directly from mistakes from Emi Buendia this season. Um, you've got, still got the petulance with the red card. And mm. what you're seeing is you're seeing so many players who have come up and what I thought would be sellable assets that Norwich City could then reinvest back in the team. But it's actually it's kind of weird I actually think we're going to kind of reap the benefits of this nightmare that we've had in in the sense that we're going to get some of these players come back down with us and if we do come back up at the first time of asking, they're going to have another 100 games in their legs from the last time they were in that situation. And at that point, it's no longer like, yeah, Max Aaron's kind of the odd bad game, the odd poor cross, Jamal Lewis. These players need to be ready to go because by that point in their career, if they want to progress mm. to the echelons of the game that some of these younger players do, mm. they need to be ready next time. Mm. They Hodgie, need to be ready going into this season, and they need to be ready if we go.
2: Hodgie, one of the things I really, really want to get into during during this live stream is actually Stuart Weber. He's come mm-hmm. under some under come under some, in my opinion, some fair criticism. Obviously, the recruitment's not been good enough. And one of the things that we've continuously, as I'm sure you'll be delighted to hear, Jack and I have continuously referenced to in the last two or three weeks is the podcast that you did with Stuart Weber. By the way, fantastic to get him on at the time that you did. And, and the fact that he opened up and took ownership and accountability, saying that the recruitment wasn't good enough, insanely powerful. And I'm sure for anyone that, that, that hasn't seen already, please do go on Stuart Hodges' Twitter account, Hodgy the Hack, and go and listen to that podcast. If you think that Stuart Weather is to blame for this season, go and listen to that podcast, because it will yeah. give you a really, really, really good insight. But the, but, but what I wanted to say, Hodge, is I think it's fair to say that you've got a better relationship with Stuart than most people. Certainly, but certainly you've got a better relationship with him than, than Jack and I. What's, what is going on inside his head at the moment, do you think? And 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 how do you think he's going to cope? Um, there, there's a lot of questions being asked of Stuart Webber, and I really, really want to get your take on the Stuart Webber criticism.
1: He's not bothered. He, like he said himself, he doesn't listen to the noise, right? He just concentrates on doing his job, doesn't let the nonsense from the media put him off, doesn't let nonsense from Stour Bucharest's chairman over a transfer put him off. <laughs> It's just he gets on with what he does. And, like, that's the thing. Once the Dennis Mann thing started becoming a pantomime, he's like, ah, bored of it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and and moves on to other targets and i think the thing is Stuart Webers never going to be someone that is influenced by what the likes of, what we say in podcasts and what archant guys are writing or anything like that i mean obviously you get situations like the the article that that Daniel Farker sort of referenced in a press conference and things like that it does i think it's more on the plain side but when you're in Stuart Webers role you've kind of got to just ignore all of that nonsense unless there's a major pr type crisis right mm.
2: um not referencing yeah sure i, I, I th- thank you for that i appreciate it do you think that i'm not sure your choice of language there is slightly inflammatory he's not bothered i, I, I maybe that's hodgy the hack speak but for me i i think almost there's there's been a couple of things where that interview which i've been i've been Jagging for that interview that Stuart Weber did on the on the club's YouTube channel. I've been wanting it for so long, so I'm so pleased that he did that. And for me, he has so much credit and so much respect for me for doing that. But there was a couple of things where, you know, that whole sort of he's not bothered, that came through. There was a couple of points. For me, I'm, I'm really disappointed that that sparked a total lack of disrespect for Todd Cantwell, who's been our second, bet, second or third best player this season. He, it sparked a lot of criticism for Todd that's 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 caused him to have to come out on Instagram saying the reasons why he stayed on the pitch. And I know that you're probably going to say, "Well, he's a big enough boy to deal with it, Chris." But I'm not sure that was right. Um, and and and.
1: I'm, not, I'm not sure it was necessarily aimed directly at Todd. I think okay. things can get misinterpreted. Okay. And regardless of whether it was or not, I mean, Todd Cantwell and Stuart Webber might have had a conversation about that, but that will stay within the confines of the club. I think the reason Todd Cantwell will have put those comments out is because he's... Some players don't really care what's happening on social media, really. Like, they don't pay attention. Or they just use it for their own kind ends. Think maybe the tribals, right? right? Um, that's what they tend to do. But then you get the players that are influenced by it and kind of use it positively and use it in good ways. James Madison was a great example. He has used social media in such a wonderful way, and it's almost helped his career, the the, the kind of way that he's used social media as a platform for good. Norwich City's young players are really good at that. A lot of them. We've seen loads of nice initiatives um, for, for, for like unhealthy young people and and stuff like that. People who have got bad health problems. And there's been a lot of that nice warmth, that nice kind of stuff. Todd's been at the centre of some of that as well. And I think because Todd's aware of the, the temperature, if you want to call it, on social media, I think he knew the way that those comments, whether they were directed at him or not, which I, I cannot say one way or the other. I don't know. And... What I would say is, I know Stuart Webber is sensible enough with his words that he would only have said that for a reason if he did, which makes me doubt that he would have done it in a public forum because what has he got to gain by that? What has he got to gain? All he, all he's, that can happen is, if it is a direct thing that he's saying about Todd Cantwell, then Todd gets angry and Todd says to his agent, right, get me out of here. And that what that does is it means Norwich City are then... We're not going to be bullied into transferring anyone, but if you've got a player that wants out, then you're going to be under more pressure to accept a transfer bid mm-hmm. for him. So in what interest would it be for Stuart Weber to put uh, the club in a position where they might make ten or fifteen million less pounds than a football player? I, I just that's where my sort of doubt kind of yeah. keeps in with that. Yeah. Yep.
0: I think it's also I think it's also worth noting here that you know the the interviews that we've seen with Stuart with the with the football club, with Archer, with The Athletic, with Radio Norfolk, he's probably done like well over an hour of of speaking there and like there is going to be sections within that where maybe your words get misinterpreted or you say something in, in a in a wrong fashion and once it's out there, it's out there. We, we all know that very well. We've all said things that maybe we didn't quite mean and then they've been misinterpreted. So I, I kind of agree with Hodgie. I, I think I kind of agree with the comments to a certain extent. I think the whole thing was blown out of proportion. As, we've, as we all know, we've seen relegations before. We're always looking for someone to blame. Last week it was Todd. This week it'll be, I don't know, Ben. N- next week it'll be someone else. We're trying to find uh, someone someone to blame here. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think it was all blown out of proportion slightly. I want to quickly move the conversation on. Um, Paul, who uh, commented earlier saying, are we going to bring up Delia, I think has donated to our Kofi page. So thank you, Paul, um, for that. Our Kofi page is, is down below. You can help uh, TNC um, by, by, uh, by donating over on there. And we've had a question. This comes from, from James Rennie. And he says, hi, chaps. Hope you're doing well. I'm interested to know if either of you are as excited as I am about seeing Sam McCallum next season. I think he could be a really key player for us at the back. Love the work you do. Glad I can give something back. James, thank you for donating. As I said, the link is in the description. Hodzi, you, you mentioned earlier, and you, you so nearly linked on to this question, but then we got on to other things about getting our business done quickly, trying to move on as quickly as possible. And we've seen, haven't we, with Sam McCallum, Daniel Sinani, we're trying to get them players in the door as, as quickly as possible. Um, are the players that we signed so far up to up to the scratch, do you think? <laughs> Well, I
1: I mean, that remains to be seen uh, because a lot of Norwich City's recruitment came out of left field before and, to be honest, absolutely smashed it. Uh, I'll always remember that graph at the end of the title winning season where it's like, yeah, we've spent absolutely no money and look at the team we've built. Uh, And if you look at what we're doing, we're doing it with maybe a a wee bit more money, but we're not spending stupid amounts of money. You've got players like Melvin City as well. um, And there's, there's players there that are ready to make maybe the transition you know, and to, to becoming part of the first team. I think the the links with the lad uh, Sorensen in, in, in Denmark, I, th- I think they seem to be quite solid. Um, I think there's a few of them where it's like it's pretty much, there, there's been a lot proactively already done. And if you actually look at our transfer outgoings, Sam McCallum is by far and away by about four times or something, the most expensive transfer that we've already made. And that's one, that is for next season, you know? And I think that was a kind of, I'm guessing, right, I'm speculating here, but I'm guessing that was a kind of preemptive measure of, right, we're probably going to lose Jamal Lewis, or we could lose Jamal Lewis. Mm-hmm. So you've got a natural person to step in. And um, what would be interesting to see is if there's a week you can com- accommodate them both in the team at the same time. So maybe, I don't know, move Jamal across. Because Jamal strikes me as a player. He started off as a kind of flying winger, like, um, when he was in the youth team, I wonder if I don't really see him as a winger now because I think he's got more of a defensive mindset. But I wonder if you could maybe move him and field a wee bit and have him as one of the sitting midfielders. You know, like I'm just interested to see what that kind of opens up tactically. And that's an area that Daniel Farca is still, I think, pretty strong. I think he's, I think he is one of these managers that does understand the tactics of the game. But I think for the first time in his career. And for the first time, you could argue, in Stuart Weber's career, they're coming down and they have to deliver right away. That team, I mean, Stuart Weber's is going to be less of the kind of day-to-day focus, but he's got to do it this summer to facilitate that next season. But the, the pressure is there for Norwich City that they need to go into next season and they need to start strong. Whereas any other season, it's been like, we're just feeling our way. You know, and it's like as good as we can do. Whereas now it's like, no, we we actually need to we actually need to be going here, and we we can't afford mistakes in recruitment as bad as we've had this season. We can't afford the sort of tactical naivety and implosion that we've seen since Project Restart happened. Norwich City need to be better next season, and that's that's going to be. That's going to be a key area of focus. Just quickly, just to touch on the point about the, the Stuart Webber not being bothered. What all I mean is he's not going to let it affect his judgment. Yeah, That was what I meant by the, the language I was using. I don't think he's bothered by what the media are writing, what we are speculating, what we are talking about. Mm-hmm. He's bothered about making Norwich City as good as they can be and as financially solvent as they can be.
0: No, so, I, I, I wouldn't be bothered at listening uh, <laughs> listening, uh listening to our he's either. Chris, we mentioned, it. I think it was on the last live podcast we did and Hodgie's mentioned it there. And I think um, Stuart Webber touched on it in his interview. These players and and Daniel and Stuart are going down. And for the first time, probably in their careers, there is expectation to, to deliver, isn't there now?
2: hundred um, percent. Look, Jack, there, there's no place to hide. I think Hodgie's got a bang on the mark. And what worries me and concerns me is, our transfer business so far to me, and look, maybe this is just me just not being within the game, but it doesn't scream that we're signing players to start. It's, it screams that we're, we're signing players that can come through. We might see at the back end of the next season, perhaps I'm wrong and perhaps we'll see because they know that certain players are out the door. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Happy to be wrong as always. Maybe we've signed these players because we know they're going and we're going to have to chuck in these youngsters, these up and coming players. It doesn't scream that we're signing players that are going to start. And that that kind of worries me a little bit, that I'm concerned about that and maybe I'm having unfair doubts. It's something that the Cheesy Geeds brought up on YouTube, which I think is a fantastic point. And actually, I was going to argue slash debate with Hodgie on this. Nine games lost in a row. Now, for, 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 Hodgie, uh, for Hodgie, I don't think it's fair for you to say that it's clear that Daniel Farker is tactically, he, he knows tactically because he's been tactically outmastered time after time after time after time in the Premier League. I'm Daniel Farker's biggest fan. I'm super grateful for what he's done. He's a league winner. He de- he deserves more respect. But for me, mate, the jury is out now. We need to see when we come back in the championship, we have to go out the gates. So I'm agreeing with you, but I'm also disagreeing with you because I don't think you can say, oh, dear, Daniel Farker, he knows his tactics. He's been outmastered so many times we've had we've got the individual quality in that team I, I don't buy the argument that the quality's not there we've got players like Max Aarons Jamal Lewis Ben Godfrey Todd Campbell. these players have been quoted anywhere between 20 and 50 million for God's sake like, they-, they I just I think we could have done a lot better and um, so, yeah uh, that's, quite, that's quite challenging. Yeah, I, th- I think we've got the talent. I don't
0: think
1: we have the physicality. Um, I and I agree. think that's been the yeah. problem this season. Yeah. And I think regardless of... Uh, I mean, I think regardless of what you can say about... I mean, you cannot legislate or or try and defend the run of form that Norwich City are on at the moment. And you get, and you But I don't think that they're necessarily... Not mutually exclusive concepts, because I think you can say Daniel Farca is a strong tactician while still accepting that it's not been good enough at the tail end of this season. What I would say, though, is remember that run of five clean sheets that we had where it was like Norwich City were leaking goals and then all of a sudden Daniel Farca went, right, we're turning the tap off. Right. And then from there, it seemed to create a more solid base that we were then able to incorporate later on as part of. Our sort of a solid base to build on, from which we were able to do our attack and stuff, um, like in months and sort of years thereafter. Now, what I'm hoping, because I I would love the guy to succeed next season, I'm yeah. hoping that these lessons that are being learnt now are harsh lessons, and that Norwich City are going to take a bit like some of the some of the really really difficult to watch performances we had in his first season when it wasn't pretty at times. I agree you enough. know. The odd, the odd Harrison Reid screamer, just like kind of breaking the monotony, and, and James Madison. I mean, I always say if we hadn't had James Madison that season, like we would have been in trouble, and it would uh, it could have looked so different. Then again, I also think, and I've alluded to this before, taking James Madison out of the team was the best thing to do because it let everybody else play. You know, and I, I think that's the that that's the interesting thing next season is to see. How And and it's a really interesting point about whether the players that are coming in are first team ready. I think we'll definitely be bringing physicality into our midfield. Mm -hmm. I think that is the one thing that like, there will be at least one player, maybe more than one, that will be part of the midfield unit next season of the new signings. There has to be. For all the criticism that the defence has had, I think the bodies are there for a championship back four. I, I do believe that Sam McCallum, another really exciting talent, and kinda if Jamal was to go, I trust the judgment that that kid will be able to come in and step on and be decent at the championship level. We've got good creative players, we've got good attacking players, Adamidas on the fringes of it, and I think going to have a great season next season. Josip um, oh, Dermic, right? I'm going. I'm going to touch on Dermic, right? Guy. Now, on my podcast, Stuart Weber said that Josip Dornomic had a bit of everything. And the insiders at the club, they are so big on this guy. Right? They think he is the real deal. And he has delivered in the Bundesliga right? before having a few bad injuries. He's got a good strike rate at international level. This guy, on paper, has the capabilities to be really good. But then there's been a few times in the restart where he's a touch toucher. Well, I mean, I, I, I probably got a better first touch um, playing <laughs> at times like that.
2: Hodgie, they've been sold a dream. They've been sold a dream. I'm sorry, they really have. And I know that they do their research, Hodgie, and I'm not even going to listen and be entertained by this. He is nowhere near it. He is past it. And how the hell have they stuck with him? the stubbornness of Daniel Farker to start Josip Dermic. You've said that, Adam Eder. Mate, that is a joke. It's disrespectful to Adam Eder, mate. It's, it's, it's wrong. It's completely wrong. And that challenge sums it up. It sums it up. And for someone to be on the amount of money that he's on, and I know that people are going, oh, it doesn't matter what money's on. Yes, it does, because there's players on a lot less that do a lot more for this football club. And I, and I think it's completely fair. I haven't seen a single, like, mate, Ricky Van Wolfswinkle didn't get sent off for Norwich.
0: He does I actually. Think, do I, that kind of and... agree, I kind of agree with Hodgie to, to a certain point. We've obviously signed Dermich for some reason. Now, at the moment, I can't really see what that is. I watched him in the pre season game at Luton. And I know it's pre season. I know it's Luton. They're still a championship club. And he scored a hat trick within, I think, the first half. And I looked at him and went, Wow, I think we've got a player on our hands. here. you
2: released a YouTube video on him. You released a YouTube video. I was scrolling back. You put, oh, Yossi Dermich, amazing player.
0: (laughs) Patrick Patrick Roberts looked great in that game as well. Yeah, that's true. Maybe not the best, uh, you know, best form line to take, but... um, We've obviously signed him for a reason. I don't think it's worked. I don't think Yosip is particularly enjoying his time here. I don't think the way he's gone about his, his music particularly helps his image when he's going through a dry spell. It's just a, a look, and I know it shouldn't really play into it, but it does. Um And, no, it's, and a ba- it's a
1: bad look, isn't it? It's like yeah, you've I'm one I'm goal good. and two singles. It's not. I mean, it's not a good look. But what I will say about Dermich is. If he does stay in Norwich City next season, I can see him being an effective Championship player, and he's also a player that's working really th- hard to get back to sharpness. So I'm not flinging the towel in on him yet. If he stays, I still think he could be an asset next. I season. really
2: respect Noddy. I love the fact you've stuck up for him. I really do. I, I back that. I really do. I, I, I really like the fact that you've believed in him because he's got. He's not got many people on his team at the moment. The Maybe the thing, yeah, and I know that, and I'm really not trying. I'm trying not to pile on, but I don't see any evidence. And surely the first thing that you look at in recruitment is team fit and characteristic over stats, facts, figures, goals, previous championships. It doesn't matter, right? If you're not the right character, and you're releasing music videos, but you're a footballer, like I I just don't buy that. And look, maybe the music video is just an is it's a completely unfortunate event, and maybe I'm overreacting. But I don't care if you want to release music videos, but you're banging in goals, fair play, do what you want. But I just think for me, and it wasn't, and this this is mental, that I'm even talking about this. Like I actually can't believe I'm talking about this. I can actually forgive the first music video because it was before the season, but the audacity to release a second song and a second music video with a woman, like that's not good. That's not good energy. We don't need that. At our football club hodgy is indefendable. Like first track pre-season, fine, quite a good song to be fair. Second one, halfway <laughs> through the season when you're in a relegation battle, mate, that's, you need a serious, serious critical conversation there. I'm, I'm not sure if I want a player like that in the championship. I, I'm not sure I want that type of player with us in the championship. I'm sorry. Oh. I think
1: I'm talking in terms of his football and ability but when I say he can be effective. I agree that I don't think that's a good look. And I think I think that's that would be a very interesting point to put to uh maybe not maybe more Stuart Weber than Daniel Farka is whether he feels that's appropriate. Because I think I think the the key kind of consensus that's coming out from loads of people is like now part of it might be let's let's just sort of think of here, I don't know the process with these things. Maybe this was recorded at the same time as the summer one and just release now. I don't know, right? <laughs> but it could be. But it's just, it's it leaves a pretty sour taste in the mouth to be releasing um, that kind of thing. And it's like sort of the joy of my music, darling. Um, while Norwich City are like scoring one goal. And like, I mean, it, it says it all. Like he's one of the two red cards that are one more. At least emmy has got a goal to cancel out his red card since the sort of lockdown post lockdown period, Dermich can't fall back on that. And Yeah, uh,
0: let us know yeah. what you think in, in the comment section of Yossip Dermich. I agree, Chris. I don't think I don't think a pile pylon is necessarily a productive thing to come out of this. I think I think we had it with Ricky, right? There was clearly a player there when we when we signed him. Sometimes players just don't fit teams and sometimes it just doesn't do.
1: Amadou is a prime example. I think Amadou is a very serviceable footballer. He had the bad luck. He was part of the Man City 3-2 game playing at centre-back,
2: right? He played most bad of these attitude. games. I don't uh, think bad attitude does, Stuart. Why was he? Why was his loan terminated? Come on, stop messing around. I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think it was a bad attitude. I
1: don't, I don't think it happen? was that. I think his loan was terminated more because it just wasn't working for him. And Alex Tetty was actually performing better at the role that he had been bought to do. He was bought as a version of Alex Tetty with more legs for the Premier League. I was at the game at Southampton where he got hooked at halftime, and that was the end of him. And like he was never seen again. And it just seemed to totally zap his confidence. So I'm, I'm not I'm not necessarily sure it was an attitude thing. I'm not sure where you're getting that from. To be honest, no, no,
2: no. no. I I just I just think like the guy Amadou played at centre back for the majority of his time at Norwich. I don't think he was given a fair shot in midfield. I really don't. I, I really mm. don't. And he also, was good in the Arsenal game, I remember. Mate, like, he played quite well in that game. And then, against Manchester City, I called him the Great Wall of Norfolk. Like the guy <laughs> was unbelievable. I've never seen a I've never seen such a completely re- well rounded defensive performance. And you talk about physicality, which is another point that I want to... Yeah, I feel like I'm the only person talking about this at the moment. We've got a guy with physicality that's been sitting on our bench in Tom Tribal. All of the stats don't lie. He's our best centre-defensive midfielder. We're not even playing him. And and for me, you talk about passing, he's got it. Tackles, he's got it. Passion, fight, he's got it. And he's not even been featuring in the team, which for, which for me is completely wrong. It, it, it doesn't work for me at all.
1: It's, it's interesting, actually, some of the selections that have been made because Mario Vranjic is the one that loads of people point to because of all these sort of set pieces. He's got a wand of a left foot, but his engine's not brilliant. That's why Kenny McLean's getting the jersey because even though Kenny McLean's not quick, he's got a hell of an engine to get up and down the pitch. Yeah. And that's why, as the sort of one with a left foot, that's why I think he's preferred there. And I think Teddy's performances this season, even though he's a left sort of technically gifted player than Tom Tribal. I think he's Premier League now. See the amount of games I watch where there's crosses getting flung in from out wide and it just, Tetty's the one, it, it comes off, right? To be honest, there was, he, he did a bad job of clearing it for the goal um, at the weekend there. Uh, but for the most part, I think Alex Teddy's earned his new contract. and I, I just love him anyway. Like I would just have him there. like he, Get him long enough that he gets his testimonial. That would be my, um, my thing with Teddy.
2: Hodgie, uh, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I'm totally with you on that, Hodgie. But I think, and I love Tete, and I think he 100% should have a new contract, should be in and around the squad. But I find it amazing that we've been relegated three times, yet we've still not managed to re- to replace Alex Tete. I've, that, for me, is just, mm-hmm. I don't get that. Jack, just before you go on to the next segment, I really want to make this point. We are criticising Josip Dermic, but I want to make it super clear that the, the, the message that Yossi Dermic received is completely unacceptable and is despicable behaviour and is not on. And and people need to remember this. Now, I know we are criticising him. We disagree with him releasing music videos. But to message a footballer full stop with anything like that is just completely wrong. So it doesn't matter, you know, if you don't think he's good enough, fine. But to, to wish upon a player that you want them to break their leg, you want them to die, like... That is so unbelievably wrong. And I need to make that clear, if anyone's watching this now, please never ever do that because it's disgusting. And I don't oh, it's know. Hard.
1: It's horrific, right? I mean, the thing is, right, and this is where a lot of people fall down as football fans, right? Because footballers are in the public eye, right? And you have actually got a really good example of this. So you grew up idolizing Grant Hope, right? You know, it's like you're watching him bang and goes for Norwich City, and he seems like this godlike figure, right? It's like nothing can hurt this guy. But he's a human being. He sits and has a beer in your house. You know what I mean? He's a human being too. It would hurt him to read that. And and the thing is, it doesn't matter if Joseph Dermich is like rock some level of footballer. Joseph Dermich should not be getting subjected to that kind of language because it's. I mean, it's just. I just. I, I really struggle to understand how we live in a culture where people think that's an acceptable way to go on. And I, I would be I would fully endorse punishing that person, um, for 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 that kind of thing because that's that's just that's that's hatred and threatening behaviour.
2: And this is what this is exactly why social media should have an identification for you to sign in. It stops racism, it stops all of that stuff. Like so I agree totally. And another thing which which just sums up the, the pathetic sort of comments I've seen recently. And I, I read a tweet that there, I can't remember who who posted, it, so apologies for not crediting you with this. But they said everyone was criticizing Todd Cantwell for his hairstyle and the fact that he's wearing a hairband. Christoph Zimmerman was, and I didn't see any hate for him. So I think we need to just be really careful about. These per, like personal, personal jibes—they're not healthy at all. Sorry, Jack.
0: On you go. Yeah, you no. Know, I, I think it's worth noting as well that the club are looking into that comment. I'm sure whoever it was that sent it will be punished in, in whatever way the club sees fit. Um, we've got a comment here from Daniel Farker. I'm not sure if it's Daniel Farker. <laughs> so welcome along, Daniel. Uh, Daniel says we are the only the third team in top flight history to have gone five home games without scoring a single goal. The last time was Birmingham City in 1922. That is a shocking statistic. Now, look, I, I think you can get caught up in statistics sometimes and there's always one to suit whatever narrative you've got. Mm-hmm. But, like, some of the statistics that are going about at the moment are just, like, real, really damning. And the thing that I've taken from that, Hodgie, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, the thing that we all loved last season, we had this identity, this way of playing, now, what I'm seeing is a team that can't defend, a team that can't score goals, a team that can't necessarily pass the ball in a cohesive manner. Like, what is our identity at the moment?
1: That's a good question, mate, because, and that's the bit that's really baffled me, because I thought we might go down this year, but I thought we'd go down scoring loads of goals. That, that was my, before the season, I thought, yeah, we might well go down, we'll probably not be acted defensively, but goodness me, this team can create but we can't, not at Premier League level, we can't, we, ju- we just don't have it. I mean, to be honest, the only sustained period of any real threat we had was when Timo Puki's purple patch continued over onto this season. Uh, and then I think he got a bit jaded just with the volume of games, obviously doing the business for Finland, getting them to their first Euros, which is sadly for him not been able to enjoy this summer, and I, I so hope almost more than I'm steering clear of injury for Norwich City and being Scottish and understanding that major tournaments for the smaller nations don't always come around so readily. Um, and looking at, I mean, I talked about it with Stuart Weber, actually, about Leeds in Euro 2016 and, and how massive that was for them. Like, how Robson can goal against Belgium? That's like Archie Gemmell's goal against Holland must have been for people that were alive then, for Scottish people, right? For Timu Puki, even if he sits in the bench injured for Norwich City, as long as we've got other people scoring, I just want him to be fit to play in the Euros for Finland. And I hope there's fans there. like I mean, everyone's all up in the air at the moment. But I just think for a player like that to have the career he has sort of building up to that and not get to do that this summer, I'm absolutely gutted for him. Although, that said, I kind of think he's not at his sharpest at the moment anyway. Um, um. Hodgie, I, I
2: love that. I, I love where you've gone there. That I'm, I'm coining that the triple P, the pooky purple patch. And, and and for me, Hodgie, as soon as we can unlock the triple P in the championship, we'll have a good chance. But the problem is we're not going to unlock the triple P, the pooky purple patch, unless we bolster that midfield, unless we bring physicality in. Hodgie, I'm so, so bloody pleased that you brought up physicality because I said this and people have slated me for it saying, oh, no, Kenny McLean, fair play. We have not been strong enough this season, no. and you look at the teams that we're coming up against. They are giants, by the way. They're giants, like they're big units, they're big, bulky footballers. And there's this whole kind of, I think, this complete narrative around the Premier League being these these really thin, streamlined, technical players. Like, look at Sheffield United, look at West Ham, look at Watford. They're all built like brick shithouses. They're not oh. going to be. To come with.
1: yeah, no, totally. That 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 that's it. And I think you look at. You look at what these teams are spending on money for players and you look at one Watford winger costing more than twice what Norwich City's entire squad costs, <laughs> you know? And and that just puts it a context a wee bit. In terms of size, that's massive as well. And, and physicality is what it's been about for me because Kenny McLean's not quick, right? So that's where he'll fall down in terms of being like a real elite sort of level player, right? But he's the one that's got engine. He's got a bit of tenacity. He can tackle, he can pass, can do a wee bit of everything. Right, he's the one Norwich City player with the one Norwich City central midfielder that I think can do a wee bit of everything. Is Katie
2: McLean? Hodgie, this is the Scottish Alliance coming through here, by the way. No, no, no,
1: it's no genuinely, I think he's the most versatile in terms of being able to do a wee bit of everything. Every other Norwich City midfielder fits a type or fits an area or fits Mm -hmm. an identical sort of way of being in a team. What we need is we need more players that are just legs that can do other stuff, Mm -hmm. and that's what we've lacked in the middle of the park this Mm -hmm. season. The style we played last season allowed for that because it was about the intricacy of the play, the technique, the triangles, the combinations. You could try and do that at the top level, but you just nick the ball off, you run up and score. And that's, that's where we've fallen down this season is by not having that. And I think as well, like, I mean, It is kind of excuse pulling, but like everything that could have gone badly for us in terms of coming into the season did. And then you've got things like the Spurves VAR. Actually, do you know what? Let's just get back to the championship and enjoy it. And then even if we win the league, let's just say, right, get rid of VAR or we're no coming back up. (laughs) Because I'm just done with it, man. Like, honestly, and five subs, like, come on.
0: Hodgie, I, I know that you've uh, you've got to go shortly, so I'm going to fire one final question from the comments section at you um, before you, you go off and do another podcast tonight, because you really are in the limelight at the moment. Um, Chaz Tat says, lads, do you think players like Vrancic, Tribe and Schieperman are going to give their all next season when they've basically had no minutes this season and lost out to players like Rupert, yeah. and Duda? Me and Chris have spoken about this before, so I'd, I'd be keen to get your thoughts on it. It's you know, we've come into this division, I think it's admirable that we've given the players that got us here a chance, the likes of Max, Jamal, Todd, etc., Tim Krul. But it is then players there that were so crucial, Tom Tribal, Vrancic, Steedman, who will probably be with us again next season unless we decide to ship them out. That's surely been slightly, not concerning, but it's, you know, a bit of a knock to the ego, isn't it? To, to, to miss out the players that haven't performed.
1: Yeah, I could understand frustration on their part. Clearly those sort of empowered at the club felt, excuse me, that they were playing the, picking the right players for the right kind of games. Roop, I kind of think will be a serviceable championship player. Steepy's obviously a legend, but I'm looking at that now and then I'm looking at the bodies that we've already signed and are going to be signing. And you raised the good question, Chris, about how many of them are going to be first teamers. And I'm thinking, right, there's there's now an overload of midfield players and there's an overload of, and this is the key bit, championship level midfield players. Mm. And that's what we've got to do. And some harsh decisions are going to have to be made. Yep. You're going to have to say, right, Mario Vrancic, yeah, I mean, that, that that Sheffield Wednesday goal I could watch like for a week happily. And like he so many moments last season that he just delivered. And in the, the the minutes that he got last season, he really, really took advantage of the most of them and, and, and made the most of them. Um, Steepy was a vital component. He was like almost how I described him in another podcast was kind of like a number 10 target man. Mm. And I think his way of playing that role, Allowed Timu Puki. It brought the best out of Timu Puki because Puki's a player that likes to come back in field and drift into pockets. And I think Steepy, being the kind of player he is, brought the best out of Puki. So I think it'd be maybe worth keeping him for that. But yeah, I mean, the likes of Tom Tribal, a decent offer comes in for him. And I know you guys love him, and quite rightly, because I think he's a great championship midfielder. But there must be a reason that he's not playing in the Premier League. And that's the thing, that's the thing we've always got to remember, We, that for all that we have our opinions and stuff. These guys are looking at data analysis that goes down to like how many drops of sweat and how many points of a kilometre they've run on a backward press in every game, how many of those steps were mm-hmm. backwards, how many were forwards. Like I mean it's it's quantitative stuff that they're looking at that allows them to evidence and back up decisions that are being made. That said putting Andre Duda in the team and letting them hit free kicks. I mean, you just look at it. And as a fan, like, you realise there's a lot of thought and a lot of methodology, and I'm not claiming to know more than Norwich City's technical coaching staff about what we should be doing with set pieces. But I'll say one thing, blocks at zonal marking on corners have been an absolute disaster. Everyone who doesn't understand zonal marking always looks at the person who runs and gets the jump on the header. But it's the missed block before that that people always forget about. The reason Ben Godfrey's getting beaten in the air for the header is because someone else has missed the block, Hernandez or Duda or someone right? So that's one thing. And the second thing is attacking set-pieces. What, what was the game where Duda had about three kicks and they all had the first man? And yeah, every you're just game, like, every look, game's played
2: in, Nodgy. Every game.
1: You <sighs> say every game. And it's just, it's harsh. And I get that a, a few of the players must be frustrated at having come up to the Premier League and not had enough minutes. But they've obviously not proved themselves worthy of it in the training field or whatever other way. So what they've got to do is they've got to ask themselves a question. And this is, this is one that There's different questions for different players in the squad. Todd Cantwell, the question is, is he as good a championship player as he is a Premier League player? Which sounds like a ludicrous question, right? But I looked at him last season and I thought he lacked the physicality for the championship. Then he's come up to the Premier League, which is a more technical league. There's fewer brutes in it or different type of brutes, more refined brutes defensively. And Todd Cantwell's looked really good. If I was to pick one player that I want to leave Norwich City this summer and it's nothing against the kid, it's just because I think... He is a better Premier League player and we, he might be at the maximum of his sellable value right now is Todd Cantwell. But you look at other players, if Max Aarons thinks he's good enough for a move, he's got to ask himself, Do I have the hunger to go back at the championship? Will I benefit from another fifty games at a lower level? Answer being with Max, I think he would, because yeah. it will allow his attack inside these games to come on and become more refined for coming up again. Mm. Jamal Lewis, interesting question would he benefit from another season in the championship? Yes. But if he's a bit more adventurous about the way he goes about his business, Ben Godfrey, would he benefit for another season in the championship? Yes. Because I think he'll benefit from coming up against the Steve Morrison-esque strikers that you get in the championship and a bit of the rough and tumble. But, there's loads of players in the squad, the likes of your Morris Lightners, the likes of your Vran- who I think will be out the door anyway, but um the likes of your Vranchiches, the likes of your Steepermans and that. And they'll be saying to themselves, look, I've not played enough this season. Do I have the hunger to go down and earn something again to maybe not get the minutes again when I come back up? And they've got to ask themselves, Do I have mm-hmm. that within me? Do I have that hunger? And I'm picking out those names, but you can you can apply that to different sort of bits of the team. And it's like, do they have the hunger? to go over this course again. I look at most of them and I think they probably do. I think Kenny McLean definitely does. I think Grant Hanley definitely does. I think Christoph Zimmerman definitely does. Um, If we're going to the forward areas of the team, it's a bit more interesting. Emi Buendia, big question mark, because Emi's... One of these players, he's a magician that can produce something out of nothing or he can be the kind of player that he can give the ball away and then sulk for 10 minutes and not cover his man running back. Mm. Do we want that next season? Or do we sell him on and say you gave away loads of goals? But Emi Buendia, by the way, for all he has, the creative side at the Premier League level, he doesn't have the other side of the game. And that's the thing is, that's not pushed on. I thought Emi Buendia would have left this season a £50 million valued player minimum. And he's Mm. not. And that's because he's not scored enough goals and because he's not developed the other side his game enough. And that's that's the big problem for Norwich City. There's loads of players you look at and you say, have you got the hunger to do this again? And the ones that do will succeed. The ones that don't yeah. will either be out the door or they won't succeed. And that's that's the crossroads that we're at right now. But the positive for me is you've got Josh Martin, you've got Adam Nida you've got Sam McCallum, you've got some of the foreign lads that we're bringing in from abroad who are younger as well. They're going to have young and hungry players coming through that can carry this club forward as well. And I think there's an obsession over big transfer fees and big names and people that we know, but I think as Norwich City fans, after what Stuart Weber was able to deliver with his recruitment in terms of the title winning season and the season before, I think we're going to trust him to bring in the likes of Daniel to Danny and he'll be a good player. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. So if we can have enough of these, hit the mark, and there's enough hunger from the bodies that
0: remain, then we can do it again. Hello, on. Hodge. Yeah. Love that, Hodgie. I think, are uh, you needing need to go now? Or are you? Sadly, I do. But You're I'm late.
1: going to indulge you with a quick one before I go. <laughs>
2: <Thank> <laughs> so, mate. You've, you been, you've been amazing, mate. We really appreciate your words of wisdom. And it's good to see someone with confidence for next season as well. So thanks very much for your time.
1: Do you know one man that might not have some confidence? Graham Dorrance! Hey. <laughs> Peace and love to all my Norwich City brothers and sisters. Thank you very much for having us in the podcast, boys. I'll be delighted to come back on again sometime, hopefully. And as I say, like last time I was on, it was a turning point. So hopefully it can be the same again. Get your, get your money on for the, the final game of the season.
0: Oh, a real pleasure, mate. Um, have a lovely evening. Have a, have a good rest of the week. And, uh, and we'll chat to you soon, my friend. Cheers! Take care, lads. See you later, mate. There we go then, Stuart Hodge. Um, we all he love him, know, don't we? Um, being, him. Yeah, we love him. Uh, thanks to everyone who's, who's been commenting. Uh, we'll continue for a, for a short while longer, just me and Chris. Um, a big thank you to everyone who's been donating over on our Kofi page. Shout out to George, Harry, Brister, Rari, Haynes, Ben, Troy, Lynn, Craig, and Sam we've all been involved and also we are seven subscribers away from 18 and a half thousand um if you haven't subscribed and you want to be notified every time we go live we're doing loads of these at the moment then hit subscribe it's completely free and uh, and you'll be notified um chris what do you make of Stuart's thoughts on everything i know you agreed with, with some points disagreed with others i think on the whole though i think he probably speaks for, for the majority of fans doesn't he
2: yeah, Hodges a top man. He's 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 full of beans. He's he's my he's he's Norwich City's fifth oh. favourite sportsman behind Gunny, Snoddy, Lappin. <laughs> the list goes on. No, but Hodges a top man. As I say, I do I do disagree with um, a lot of his points, but I do also agree with a lot of his points, and that's all part of the healthy football debate, which is why we love the game. It's full of it's it's a game of opinions. One of the things that I wanted to say to him, but I know he had to shoot off, was I. I there's this whole stats, facts thing, and we say this over and over again, Jack, facts don't care about feelings, and and one of the things that I think we've lacked this season is that character. You know, I tweeted before this podcast. We've lacked that sort of Dion doubling character in the changing room, someone that's going to have those critical conversations with individuals that aren't up to their standard that we know that they're at, so it's all right, it's all right recruiting people based on stats, facts, and figures. But actually, there's always an element of hiring players based on their personality, based on their emotion. And I'm sure that I'm sure that, that is part of the recruitment. But for me, I think this season we've seen that we've not had the characters, the, the characters that want to fight for this football club that have been bought in since we've gone up. I think that all of them that have come in, they've not shown that fighting spirit, that that, that character, that, that, that grit, that determination. That, that willingness to be part of a group of players that, you know, that it's not all about starting football matches. Like, I, I know I know a lot of people say, well, surely if you're a footballer, you want to start football matches. I think it's, I think the game is past that now. I think if you're part of a squad of winners and you know that your job is to come on the pitch and ping in a, an 89th minute screen, a free kick, Mario Vrancic, for example. I think football is so much, I think we're losing sight of what football, what, why? Like, everyone in the comment section now, why did you fall in love with football? You didn't fall in love with football because of someone's past completion. You didn't fall in love with football because of the number of three balls that someone completed. You didn't fall in love with football because of the amount of clean sheets. It was because of an emotional moment. It was Simeon Jackson against Derby. It was Simeon Jackson against Portsmouth. It was Grant Holt against Ipswich. It was Mario Vanchich against Blackburn. You know, that's where you fall in love with football. So, So I think it's very easy to say, yeah, recruitment, 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 stats, facts, figures. I think going to the Championship... We need to ba- we need to base our recruitment based on emotion and feeling and fight. And I know that that sounds cliche, Jack, but my god, we miss experience. And maybe it's because we we those experienced players haven't featured, Jack. And I think that's fair to say that you know Grant Hanley, for example, he's been injured most of the season. Tim Close has been injured most of the season. We've only got a real kind of vocal leader at the back in Tim Cruel. So for me, whatever we bring in, they need to have that vocality. They need to be. The taking control and, and and pulling players in, they really need to be doing that more.
0: No, I think you're spot on. And it's all about striking a balance, right? We the reason that we picked out Emil Buendia for next to no money is because we yeah. tapped into some statistics that others didn't, and we were able to pick him out when others weren't seeing that. But it's also like look at that Paul Lambert squad in the in the Premier League. That should have never. They should never have survived in the Premier League and and they went on to do brilliant things. And the reason that we were so good last season is because we had them characteristics to drive us into the 90th minute when we were drawing against uh, Millwall, losing to Nottingham Forest and and pick up points. And I, I completely agree. I don't think we've had enough of that this season. You look at Wickham, who've just come up from League One. They were last rock bottom in passes completed. All of them kind of, you know, top line statistics to and they still went up and they went up because they've got Gareth Ainsworth and a fantastic manager. They've got Akin Fenwell, who clearly loves his squad and had something to prove. He wanted to prove the doubters is wrong. So it's striking a balance. And I think, unfortunately, we, we've maybe swayed too far. Um One way this season. Uh, John Sire says in difficult times, calm and wise words needed. Tom Allen says, clear your heads, everyone, and don't stew on this season. Come back and support the team 100% in 2021. Um, This is a really good point. Um, And we we talk about players that are willing to maybe come on in the 87th minute and, and make a difference. None more so than this man. We have missed Jordan Rhodes in the dressing room. It's going to be fascinating to see. I, I can't see him making a return, and I don't necessarily think you know players making a return after doing so well is is always the right thing. But he's going to be a free agent this summer. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with Jordan Rose. Maybe he's willing to, to come back to Norwich, a club he he, he clearly loved, and uh, and sit on the bench. I don't know. Maybe he, he might be willing willing to do that. Um, Chris, let's kind of wrap things up then. Last five minutes. Um, What's what's the mindset going into Manchester City? I know we keep saying every week what's the mindset going into the next game, and we keep saying like, you know, show something, just give us something, and we constantly finding new ways to to further lower our expectations. It was like I, I was watching the the game with Jen in, a, in the um, North City supporters pub in London. And I just, just, it was the first time this season where I just laughed. I just, when I saw Josip Dermic make that tackle, I just laughed because I was like, how have we found another way to let ourselves down? It was baffling to me.
2: Yeah, so, blimey, um, God, where do I begin? What do we do for Manchester City? Okay, the motivation for me is to do a double over Manchester City, would be mental it would be unheard of it would be unbelievable and it would be one hell of a story and if i was a player it would be a statement of intent to the supporters that have slagged me off if i was a player i'd be wanting to prove a point and um, i would be doing more than ever before to do anything so that's that's the message that i would be given i'd be giving to the players Um I think it's fair to say that the confidence is absolutely on the deck. Do I think that the critical conversations will take place to actually make the difference? I think that we'll go into the game feeling sorry for ourselves. And, you know, I know, I know I said, um, we're going to lose. I think I said seven nil Aguero to score four when they came to Carrode. And of course, that famous, famous victory, which will always hold in our hearts forever, Jack. But for me, and I know this sounds mental, and this is where I disagreed with Hodgie. Hodgie was like, oh, yeah, brilliant second half. Really proud of the boys. They really did us well. And Daniel is saying I was really proud of the, of the performance in the second half. Are you really proud of putting nine men behind the ball? Is that a thing? Why should we be proud of that? So actually, I'm going to flip that. I think we put 11 men behind the ball and we park the bus. That's what we do against Manchester City. We desperately, desperately try try to defend properly for 90 minutes. Will we do that? No. Will we concede from a set piece? Yes. But as long as we can not be embarrassed, fine. And my only objective from this, Jack, and I mean it, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of people in the comments that agree with this, my only objective is that, and I pray to God that we just don't lose the Ipswich defeat record, (laughs) of course, against Manchester United, as long as it's only 7-0, or 6-0, I'll, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> It's also worth noting that we have played Manchester City on the final day of a Premier League campaign before, and yeah, the so. last time we did that, we beat them. So if we're clutching on the straws here, um, we might as well clutch onto that one. Um, Chris, I'm going to let you go, mate. Thank you so much um, to everyone who's been watching. Thanks to you. Thanks to Hodge's left a bit early, but Brilliant to have him on. Thank you to everyone who supported the Kofi page. If you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, then please do. We're nearing 18 and a half thousand and you get notified every time we go live. It's great to see all of you enjoying it. And as we always try and round off these, these live streams, I might have certain opinions that you don't agree with. Chris might have certain opinions that you disagree with. You might see them as, um, you know, not the best things to be saying, but we are all saying it for, for the for the love of the club. It's all coming from a good place and it's really hard uh, to have unity when you've picked up 21 points and haven't scored a goal in five home games. But we will try our hardest. Thanks to everyone who's watched and we will see you ahead of the Manchester City game. Bye-bye. Kick it
2: off. Throw it.